Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. If you have your Bibles, um, join with me. It's on the screen to my right and to my left. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, and we know that God causes, everybody say God causes, all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. I'm sorry. Y'all got first lady standing up by herself. Amen. Uh, let's read again as we're standing in honor of the reading of God's word. Amen. If you can stand, stand to your feet. Hear it again. Verse 28, it says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. First three words says, and we know, amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, you can be seated, uh, act like you know, amen. Act like you, act like you know. Um, I'm going to do my best, this is weird uh, for me, I'm going to do my best to, to stay seated um, for the entirety of this message. Uh, Callie, do, do something on the keyboard. If I start tipping up or something, just give me a signal to sit back down uh, so I know. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I, I was uh, on the phone with my sisters earlier last week. We were doing a group chat. Um, just the four of us, my two older and my one younger sister, um, we were on the phone. And we started reminiscing about childhood nicknames uh, that we had for one another. Uh, my baby sister, Bethany, the youngest, uh, we used to call her Eeyore. Anybody know who Eeyore is from Winnie the Pooh? Uh, Winnie the Pooh had a character on it. He was a stuffed animal, a donkey named Eeyore. And Eeyore always had a melancholy and sad attitude. He was always hanging his head down. And he frequently asked the question, Kenny, why is everybody always picking on me? And that was my sister's attitude. She had an Eeyore mentality growing up. There was always a rain cloud following her around. We didn't hear our sister raise her voice until she had not her first but her second child. And never even heard her raise her voice above a regular uh, speaking tone because my sister just had this melancholy sad, woe is me attitude while we were growing up. And even once the attitude went away, the mannerisms that accompanied the woe is me stayed. But if anybody has lived life long enough, you understand, like Eeyore, there are seasons of your life where you ask the question, why do these things that are happening keep happening to me? 
Why are these situations that are transpiring in my life, why are they transpiring constantly to me? Anybody ever looked at your life and looked at your circumstances and said, I'm tired of everything always being good in one place and then bad in another? I can't just have good things all the way around. Every time something's going right in my life in one place, I look in another place and find an area where I need prayer and I need help. And it can't always be sunshine. I've got to have a mixture of sunshine and rainy days. And if you'd be honest with me this morning, that's your testimony and you're tired. You're tired of having to deal with the ups and downs, what preachers would call the vicissitudes of life, the viscosity, the constant changing of life, that sometimes you will have days of sunshine and then other days it'll seem like it's full of rain clouds and thunderstorms. And the reality of our lives is if you live long enough, you'll find yourself asking the question, why does it seem like life is picking on me? Why does it seem like I'm going through hell and high water all the time? Why does it seem like I've always got to be the bigger person? I've always got to turn the other cheek. I've always got to be the giver. I've always got to be the one forgiving. I've always got to be the one helping. I've always got to be the one using what I'm going through as a tool of sanctification instead of getting my revenge on the people who have hurt and harmed me. Why does it seem like it's always happening to me? And the Bible tells us that the reason why that is happening to you is because God has decided that if you are his, you are so blessed that he's not just going to use good times to bless you, but he'll also use the bad times to bless you. That because you belong to him, you are not just chained to like other people having to use good times to make you better. But God says, because I'm so good and I'm so God and I'm so in control, I've got the ability to use even the bad situations of your life to make you better. And that's really what the text is trying to tell us. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome, and he wants them to understand something, beloved. He wants them to understand that what they're going through, God is using it to make them into the people that he's called them to be. He, he's saying, look, you're there in the center of the Roman Empire. He said, people are watching you. You're primed for persecution. People are trying to take you out. They don't like the fact that you're a believer in the face of an ungodly culture. As a matter of fact, they're trying to figure out why you act like you're better than them. They are persecuting you. They're getting ready to begin throwing you into the Colosseum. And you've got to live, check this out, Paul says you've got to live and respond differently to trouble than the people around you respond to trouble. Here is our problem as a church. We live in the world, but we are called not to respond like the world. Yeah, we live in the world, but we are called not to live and to respond, rather, to the problems in the world like the world responds to them. We are called to respond differently, but our response is only connected to our perspective. You can only respond based on your level of exposure. That's why I don't reveal everything that I'm going through in my world to everyone in my world. Because everyone in my world does not have the perspective necessary to properly contribute to the information that I'm giving them. Because
because if a person doesn't have the right perspective, they'll start giving you stress to something that you wasn't stressed out about because you already knew how it was going to be handled. But because they didn't know how it was going to be handled, now they're nagging you and stressing you out about something that you wasn't stressed out about before because your perspective determines how you respond to problems. If you have the wrong perspective, you will not respond properly to your problems. Well, what transforms then our perspective? Our perspective then is transformed by our knowledge. That's why when we get to verse 28, Paul says, I want to revolutionize your perspective. I want to transform the way you look at your trouble. I want to transform the way you process your pain, the way you deal with your trauma, the way you look over the situations in your life that used to trigger you. Paul says, I've got a different way I want you to look at them, but the only way I can get you to look at them differently is by getting you to know something differently. So Paul says, what do we know? Verse 28 says, and we know. What do we know? That God causes all things to work together for our good. What do we know? We know that whatever the situation is, I'm almost finished, y'all. Whatever the circumstance is, whatever it looks like, God is taking those situations and those circumstances and he's working them together to make you better. God, help me. Yeah, he's using it, not for anybody's good, but for your good. Yeah. God does not send you through situations to bless your enemies. He sends you through situations to bless you. That this situation, you can selfishly anticipate that it is going to make you better. Yeah, it's for me. Look at somebody and say, it's for me. Yeah, I know that you thought that you were going through to be an example to somebody else, and that part is true. But you also have to understand that if you go through trials and you don't get anything out of the trial yourself, and you feel like the trial was just to somebody else, you've missed the point of the trial. Because before the trial can bless somebody else, it has to bless you. He says it's working together for your good. How do we know? He says, we know that all things are working together, so that's what we know. We know that, that it's working together. But then the second thing is, how do we know? The reason I know that God is causing everything else, uh, all things to work together for my good, is because God has caused all things to work together for my good. Yeah, the fact that you are here in the sanctuary in your right mind is proof that God is using the circumstances of your life to work together for your good. The fact that it did not kill you, God help me, means that God is using it to bless you. And you've got to be able to look at your life and look at the things that you shouldn't have survived. And then look at the fact that you were still able to get up on a Sunday morning and wash your face and put your clothes on and make it to church in spite of all of the trauma that you've gone through. The fact that God has used it should give you faith that he is using it to work for your good. Yeah. How do I know he's using it to make me better? Because he's used it to make me better. You're better now because of pain you went through yesterday. You're happier now because of hell you had to handle in yesteryear. You're, you're, you're better and more equipped now to believe God because of the things that you went through in your past. And he's telling you that God is causing those things to work together for your good. You know it to be true because you're sitting here right now. He says, and we know that God causes all things. But, but notice, notice there's a causation. He says, God causes. 
doesn't say they just work, right? It doesn't say, now you got to understand this, this is why you can't quote this to everybody. Because in order for it to work together for your good, I know we like to sing Travis Green, but it is not applicable to every person, okay? The way this applies to you is God has to cause all things to work together for your good. Meaning that when it works together for your good, it's not just happening naturally. God has become involved in your situation to make things that should not work together for your good work together for your good. Okay? Now, the old preacher, when he would preach this, David, he would talk about a baker who was baking a cake. And he would take ingredients that seemed like they shouldn't go together. And he would put them together in a cake to make them work together for the ultimate good of the cake. But that's really, according to the text, not a proper analogy. Because if you look at a recipe, although in my mind it does not look like it should go together, in the mind of the person who prepared the recipe, he knows that all those things go together in the recipe. See, he does not take things, God does not take things that should work together for your good and cause them to work together. God takes ingredients that should not mix together and causes them to work together for your good. So this is not like God taking a little bit of salt, uh, some butter, some oil, uh, some milk, some eggs, and, and working them together. No, no, it's not like that. It's like God taking bleach and ammonia and taking two things that when mixed together should kill you. He takes those things and somehow uses them to work together for your good. Do you hear what I'm saying? God divinely intervenes and takes situations that should not bless you, that should not help you, that should cripple you emotionally, that should leave you bitter, that should leave you hateful, that should leave you upset, that should leave you unable to function, and he takes those things, and somehow when you come out of those situations, God says you're better than you went in, even though you should be worse than you were when you went in. Because God says my power is what causes those things to work together for my good. So when you know that God is causing all things to work together for your good, you have a responsibility to change your life based on what you know. Do you hear what I'm saying? God holds you accountable for what he has revealed to you. So based on what you know about God, you have to allow what you know about God to influence your behavior. If I know that God is causing uh, everything I go through to work together for my good, then it should change some things about my life. I got three things that it should change for you, uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll be done. Uh, the first thing it should change, if you're taking notes, is it should change my perspective. Everybody say my perspective. Yeah, it should change my perspective. Yeah, I, my perspective then in my problems should change from my problems are not something that are happening, listen, to me. They are something that are happening for me. Yeah, so when I go through trial, I don't experience trial like a victim. I experience trial with anticipation. Okay, uh, my wife, uh, if, you, if, you, if you look at her, uh, my wife is, is getting summertime fine. And the reason why she's getting summertime fine is because my wife has found herself in the gym. But without fail, uh, every week, 
uh, my wife uh, will complain about going to the gym every week as if she don't knows that them two days a week are coming. Every day or every week she'll complain about going to the gym. But her complaint is different, hear me, because she chooses to subject herself to the pain and discomfort of the gym because her perspective knows that this temporary discomfort will yield for her a lasting benefit that she's trying to obtain. So when she goes to the gym, she might go complaining, but internally she's able to endure because her perspective on the gym says, this is not punishment to me, but rather it is a blessing for me. And that's how God wants you to view the trials of life. God wants you to view the trials of life, not as something that are happening to you, but as something that he is using for you. You don't go to the gym and get mad when someone asks you to lift. You don't go to the gym with a trainer and get mad when he asks you to run. Well, you might get mad when he asks you to run, but you do it because you understand by your perspective that it's working for your good. And the first thing that changes is your perspective. Everybody say, my perspective changes. I understand, hear me clearly, that what I'm going through is not something that is happening to me. It is happening for me. It is for my benefit. That means I process my pain differently. Yeah. That means I process my pain differently. Uh, that means I process my trauma differently. And if I process my trauma differently, Okay, that means I'm not triggered the way I used to be triggered because now I've processed my trauma the right way. Yeah. See, the reason why many of us are unable to be healed from bitterness, pain, and trauma and are unable to walk in forgiveness is because we really do not accept the fact that God used what we went through to help us. We still feel like God used what we went through to hurt us. And because we feel like God used what we went through to hurt us, we still hold on to what hurt us. When if we really understood that God used it to help us, we'd be able to release the people because we understand that it was just a tool that was used by God to make us better. Y'all don't get it yet. Uh, when you see a building, you don't walk by a building uh, that has been constructed beautifully and thank the, and thank the scaffolding. When, when you go to a construction site and you see uh, a, a, a team of construction workers, you don't pass by the construction workers and, and thank the tools for their labor. But many of you are misappropriating your bitterness and your thanks for your situation to tools that God used rather than you understanding that that was just a tool. God was using it to make you better. That person was a tool. That relationship was a tool. Stop putting the focus on the hammer and thank the God that used the hammer to make you who you are. Your perspective on your pain changes when you understand that God used all of it. Not just the parts that you can remember he used. Not just the parts that you acted like you had some sense in. Uh, we, we like to look at past relationships, right? And uh, in our past relationships, we always find ways to make ourselves the victim and make the other person the villain, right? We make ourselves the hero and, and, and we make the other person the offender 
The truth is God sees the whole relationship. God sees the parts in the relationship when you were acting ugly, uh, when you wouldn't allow your mouth to be under control. God allows, uh, God is able to see the darkness of your heart. And, and a lot of times, man, uh, we want to cheat. Uh, treat cheating and unfaithfulness like it's just a sexual act when in actuality uh, cheating is simply choosing yourself over the other person and if you put it in that perspective many of us are cheaters even if you didn't do it physically but when we leave a relationship we want to tell a hurtly story about somebody that did us wrong without understanding that we played our own parts in the trauma that we're trying to get away from but God says, I don't just use the cute parts where you were the victim, right? I don't just use your diary of a mad black woman uh, where Blair Underwood slapped you for no reason and you don't understand. I don't just use that. Um, I use the part where you bust the windows out their car, where you were the aggressor. I use that part too. And I bring it together to work for your good, which means that I don't have to be embarrassed about my past. Might have to face some consequences for my past. But I understand that God is using all of it to work for my good, all right? My perspective changes. I got to go. Uh, not only does my perspective change, uh, but my prayers change. Yeah, my prayers change. How do my prayers change? My prayers change because when I understand that God is using it to work for my good, Stanley, I'm no longer praying that God will get me out of it. I'm praying that God will give me strength to endure it so that I can get the full benefit of the process. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, the reason why many of us are underdeveloped is because we don't understand how to stay in the process until God has accomplished what he wants to accomplish through the process. We want to eject at the moment of discomfort. Can I help my generation real quick? See, the, the, the reason why many of us fail uh, in, in this generation is because we had well-meaning parents and grandparents and people who raised us that just wanted us genuinely to be happy and blessed. They wanted the best for us. Because they wanted the best for us, they'd tell us things like, baby, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do that. If, 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 if you told them you were coming and you don't feel like going, then don't go. Quit that job. You can be whatever you want to be. And after generations being instructed in that way, what's happened is we've created a generation of people who don't have the situativeness necessary to endure hard times. They don't understand the value of commitment. We have a generation of people who will disengage from commitment and not be concerned about how their disengagement from commitment affects the people they committed to. Because all they're concerned about is themselves and their happiness and their comfort because we've been instructed that all God wants for us, all our parents want for us, is for us to be happy. But if you understand that God don't care nothing about your happiness if your happiness is not rooted in holiness. God don't want you to be happy at the expense of your holiness. Oh, y'all don't like this. See, see, holiness, though, is not a denomination. Holiness is the ability to behave like Christ. So God says, I'm giving you now a change in your perspective that should also then yield a change in your prayers. Because your prayers in times of trial and discomfort shouldn't be God get me out of it, but it should be God let me get something out of it. God allow me to gain something from this trial, from this pain, 
from this problem. Allow me to get bigger through this. And that should be your prayer. Do you hear what I'm saying? You should be able to pray in the midst of circumstances. God, don't move the mountain like the old folk would say, but give me the strength to climb. And some of us have been speaking to stuff that God wants us to climb over. We've been trying to get faith to move stuff that God says ain't moving. You've got to learn how to endure it. And I'm weary of a generation of people who know how to worship but can't make war in the spirit because they're so addicted to comfort. They're like my son. Like my son. Uh, my son loves to play fight with me until he actually get hit back. Then when I finally hit him back, he want to stop. But as long as he the one hitting me and I'm acting like I'm hurt, he big and bad, he can do it all day. That's how some of y'all spiritual warfare is. Y'all come to church and cry and snot. So who has a great experience today? The minute the devil slap you upside your head, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do with myself. The minute you deal with a little bit of depression, the minute you deal with a little bit of problem, the minute you don't know how a bill is going to be paid, now all that Bible knowledge you had, all that worship, all that Holy Ghost, all them tongues, the minute you got to say no to your flesh, the minute you got to walk away from your bad attitudes, all of that stuff means nothing. Why? Because we felt like we was play fighting with the devil. We thought we could hit him and he wouldn't hit us back. The devil is not a sparring partner. He's an adversary. He is opposing you. When you step in the ring with the devil, he's fighting you for real, even if you play. You can come to church playing if you want to. When the devil get a hold of your money, your mind, your marriage, your ministry, your future, he ain't playing with you. And so your prayers have to change then from God get me out to God, let me get something out of it. God, teach me how to fight in this. Let me grow in this. God, let me be better through this situation. You know what I'm saying? So my perspective changes. Everybody say my perspective. Everybody say my prayers change. But not only do my perspective, does my perspective change, not only do my prayers change, but thirdly, and I'm done, when I know that all things work together for my good, when I understand that God is taking both the good situations of my life and the negative situations of my life, he's using those things to bring them together to work for my good. Not only does it change my perspective, not only does it change my prayers, but it also changes my praise. Watch this. It changes my praise because my praise no longer has to be reactionary. My praise can become proactive no matter what I'm feeling in the moment because I know that no matter what I'm going through, it's working together for my good. I know that that wasn't clever. I know that was real simple, right? I've been saying the same thing, but I got to say what the text says. I can't say anything other than what the Bible is trying to teach you. It will change your praise from having to wait until you see it fixed to being able to praise him when it doesn't look like it's going to get fixed. Because you know that all things are working together for your good. God, help me. Can, all right, let, let me just unpack this. He says, it's working. Yeah. Uh -huh. that, that's, that's interesting 
uh, grammatically in the Greek because it's used in a tense that is called the present progressive, uh, meaning that it is and is in a perpetual. Check this out. This is how my seminary professor, Dr. Kenneth Thompson, would say. He'd say it's in a perpetual state of isness. It is working, and it is always going to be working. Yeah, that while I'm in it, it's working. So I can praise him, check this out, before I come out of it. If I understand that even while I'm in it, somehow he's getting the glory out of it. God help me. Yeah, see, I think we save our praise for points in our journey that we believe are praiseworthy. Yeah, we, we, we withhold our worship for moments that we believe are worthy of worship. Almost like a dog owner withholds a doggy treat from a pet until they feel like the pet is worthy. But can I help you understand something about your relationship with God? Worship and praise is not a doggy treat that you give God because he's been good to you. Worship and praise is something that you owe God because he gave life to you. And without putting any moral requirement on you, without giving you a law to obey, creation says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise so much belongs to God that there is a law in creation that if every person decided they would not praise him, rocks underneath your feet would open up their mouth and begin to cry out in praise to God because it belongs to him. And many of us want to try to withhold praise until moments where we feel like God deserves our praise. But can I ask you a question? If you woke up this morning, what are you waiting for? If you were able to get in your car and make your way to worship, what are you waiting for? If you were able to look in your refrigerator and it wasn't empty, and if it was empty, it's because you and your family ate everything that was in there. What are you waiting for? God says, I owe you, owe me your praise. And your praise then can't be situational. It can't be praise me when you feel like it. Praise me when you don't feel like it. No, it has to be at all times. That's why David says, Psalm 34, 18, I will bless the Lord when? At all times. And his praises shall do what? Continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse 21, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why? Verse 22, because I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. David, when he quotes that scripture in Psalms, he says, Candace, I sought the Lord, past tense. He heard me, past tense. He delivered, past tense. But I got a problem with that, Sean. Problem I got with that is if you look at the context of the text, Psalm 34, David was saying that he'd been delivered from something that he was still waiting on God to deliver him from. He says, I sought the Lord, past tense. He heard me, past tense. And he delivered me, past tense. But if you read 2 Chronicles, David had not yet been delivered. He was still in the presence of an enemy waiting for God to deliver him. 
But David caught a revelation, God help me, that many of us cannot catch. And that's this. If God is not done with me, then i got to be delivered from whatever it is that I'm in. If God has not allowed me to die and I have not fulfilled my purpose, then that means he's not through with me and I've got to come out of this. Beloved, uh, and I know many of y'all uh, don't even really have a vision for your life. You don't have a prophetic vision for your life. Uh, you don't really know where your life is going. You want God to reveal it to you like most of us. But is there anybody here that can just look at your life and say, I know this ain't it? Yeah, I know that this money I got ain't it. I know that the relationships I have aren't it. I know that this career I have is not it. I know that this credit score I got ain't it. I know that where I'm living ain't it. God has more that he wants to do for me. And if God is going to do it, you've got to believe that it's going to get done. So then, if I can't die until God is done, then it don't matter what I'm going through. It's not going to kill me. Because God is using everything around me to work for my good. Paul says it this way, Romans 8, 28, I'm done. He says, and we know that God causes all things to work together. Check this out. To those who Love God. <laughs> there, there's, there's a qualification. You've got to love him. You, you've got to love him. If, if you love him, it's going to work for your good. But not only if you love him is it going to work for your good, but you've got to be called according to his purpose. Look at somebody and say, his hand is on my life. Yeah, his, his hand is on your life. And because his hand is on your life, it's going to work together for your good. But you got to act like you know. That means you got to go to work and act like you know. That means you got to live in your relationships like you know. You got to be married like you know. You got to respond on your job at your employer to them coworkers that don't want nothing but to see you fired like you know. You got to look at depression, anxiety, Trial, trouble, tribulation, heartache, heartbreak, like you know that God is using all of it to work for your good. Um, I got to close. You can keep playing. I, I want to close like this. My, uh, my dad dealt differently with my sisters than he dealt with me. Uh, my sisters pretty much had carte blanche even still now. Uh, one of them 40, the other one close to it, uh, carte blanche to stay at my mom and daddy's house until they felt like leaving. Don't know, that was the arrangement, didn't ask, wasn't none of my business. But as soon as I turned 18, my dad started, he didn't put me out because my mother wouldn't let him. What my dad did is he started acting in such a way that made it impossible for me feeling like I was grown to live in his house. So at 18, on a Monday, me and my dad had an argument about a curfew. Friday, I had my own apartment house. My mother decided uh, I wasn't ready to move out because she hadn't saved up enough money to send me out the way she wanted to. So the way she decided to bless me technically was she gave me her washer and dryer. Realized later as a married man, my husband now, that when she gave me that washer and dryer, she wasn't really blessing me. She was blessing herself because the washer and dryer had to be replaced. 
My mother gave me, Candace, an old washing machine. Uh, not the ones that we have now. But she gave me a washing machine that had this tall cylinder in the middle of it. And uh, after using the washing machine repeatedly over the course of some years, eventually my washing machine stopped working. My water would fill up, the detergent would suds up, it would go through the cycle, but for some reason my clothes weren't getting clean. I called my dad, tried to figure it out. My dad said, son, I don't fix washing machines. You're going to have to call someone. We called someone, and they came out. Maytag man came out, looked at the washing machine, and he repaired it, and he told me something crazy. He said, the reason why the wash cycle wouldn't work because this washing machine uses what's called an agitator. And when your agitator is not working properly, the process won't accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. And in order for my clothes to get clean, the Maytag man had to fix the agitator. Because if the agitator wasn't working, then the process wouldn't be fully accomplished. Everybody stand to your feet. God says the reason why it seems like problems keep persisting in your life, the reason why it seems like things keep frustrating you and fighting you, it's because God says, I'm using agitators. But the agitators haven't been sent, hear me, to make you mad. The agitators have been sent to make you clean. To help you in the process. Do you hear what I'm saying? God says, I'm using those agitators to make you everything you want to be. That stress is just an agitator. Lift your hands. That problem is just an agitator. Whatever you're going through, God says, I'm using it to make you better. I'm using it to make you clean. And you've got to trust the process. You've got to trust that I'm using it to make you better. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray now for every person under the sound of my voice who has been dealing with pain and agitation. And Father, they don't know where better is coming from. Father, they feel like they're catching it from all sides. They feel like they don't know what to do, God. They feel like they're being overwhelmed. They don't know how they're going to handle it. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we prophesy over them that every agitator will be used to make them better. That, Father, you'll use every irritant in their life, every financial irritant, every emotional irritant, every professional irritant, God, every irritant from their past, all their family drama, all of their trauma. God, I pray that you'll use it to strengthen the process now. And that you'll give them, God, the benefit of being better through it. We know that you're able. We know that you're worthy. And we know you can do it. Because we know you can do it, God, we give you praise and glory in advance. Because we believe that, God, we're going to come out of this thing better than we were when we went in. Better than we were, God, when we first experienced it, God. And God, for those of us who have failed tests in this season, because we haven't responded right, 
We've had the wrong perspective. God, we've had the wrong prayers. We've, we've, we've even hindered our praise. God, I pray that you'll allow us, Father, another chance. Give us a chance to respond the right way. Give us a chance, oh God, to pray the right prayers. Give us a chance, oh God, to praise you in the middle of it. Because we understand that even while we're going through, it might not feel good while it's working. But Father, we yet believe it's working together for our good. And so God, we give you praise now. Because we thank you that you're using it for our benefit. You're using those enemies, those haters, God, for our benefit. God, we thank you that you're using that struggle for our benefit. And God, give us faith to know that it won't kill us. And whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger by way of your spirit. In Jesus' name. And if you believe that, I dare you to put your hands together and give God praise wherever you are.